Welcome to another episode of the Bootstrapped Experience podcast, if I can learn to say our podcast name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Joined as always by Jack. How you been? Good, good. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. It's uh, It's been a good couple of weeks. I'm feeling more motivated. Nice. What have you been up to? Yeah, quite a few. I guess the main thing has been that I've just been sort of excited to be getting into things again and doing work. Whereas before I was trying to find excuses to just sort of do the absolute minimum and then find other things to do. But yeah, the last couple of weeks has been pretty productive. We're almost on an app kit. Most of that credit, of course, goes to to iTunes. But yeah, we've got uh, forms sort of hooked up now, a nice sort of reusable way of doing forms and having this uh, contextual save bar show up at the right times and handling error states and things like that. And then, what, uh, yeah, sorry? I was going to say, what, what do you think is the motivation due to? Are you just excited about your new logos and colors? I think so. I think that helps. I That's think awesome. it helps having my wife uh, join. It was, I guess, both good and bad because all of a sudden we're both working at home, right? So it was like, hey, now I've got my best friend here. We can go do all kinds of other things. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, she'd just been through an operation and everything. So that was kind of natural, I think. But then just seeing her excited about getting back to work and having some fun things to work on, it feels like we're making progress, which has sort of been quite slow for most of the year because they're more long-term things that we've been working on. That's so It's awesome. really nice to sort of, yeah, get some some wins in and then see some progress on a lot of these things. Yeah, it just feels like, and maybe I think also just mentally I've just gone, right, hey, this, I don't feel good when I don't get things done. You know, like it's not good for my own thinking to, to sort of be skipping work sort of thing. So I think just sort of turning around and saying, hey, when you actually work, you feel better. So let's do it that way. Yeah, sometimes too, like I noticed like that branding stuff gives you so much motivation when you see like, I don't know, it just feels like like your business is actually a real business when you have a real logo and things like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think they turned out really nicely. My wife put up some tweets last week, I think it was, with the, the new logo designs for each of the apps. And, yeah, I saw um, that. It looks great. Yeah, thanks. I'll pass it on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think she did a really good job. And yeah, it's, it's fun to have somebody else sort of excited about it as well and coming with ideas and inspiration. And I guess... She's really good at injecting sort of more personality into things. So we've also been working on emails and so get into that. We've been, you know, set up, migrated the, the email flows into, into this series thing. And as part of that, then she's gone in and, and is sort of looking at the way that we're writing. And they've been very text heavy and kind of boring, but more just, hey, we're here and you can log in here or we suggest the next step being this, but very text heavy. So now she's sort of going through them and, and putting personality into them and we're using GIFs and creating visual elements, which they've sort of lacked in the past. And it's a lot of fun just to see somebody else come in and, and put more personality into the business, which I really like, but I'm just not very good at doing myself. Right. Do you have like, and maybe it sounds like you're just coming up with this now, but have you had a sort of brand voice, I guess? Like, do you try to keep a certain tone with your communications or has it just kind of been whatever mood you're in at that moment? No, I've always tried to sort of think about how I write, but it's, <laughs> I'd say my way of writing is pretty, like I try and be personable and just myself, trying to be friendly and happy and come across with the right tone. But I, I've never gone the more sort of, how would you say, humorous or not humorous, but like a bit cheeky sometimes and right. adding, you know, turning up the personality side of it. I've always kept on, I guess, the safe side is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, I think I've always done the same. Actually, it's been really interesting because we're kind of working on that same thing in A-B testing in that okay. I noticed recently 
now that we've got a team and there's five or six people sometimes communicating with the customers, I realized like it was all over the place. Some of us are super formal, some are not. You know, I always was yeah. just very informal, friendly, and um, yeah. You know, the first thing that my wife did actually when she joined was to actually create like a brand guideline. And that was more just for the two of us to sort of sit down and talk about how do we want this to look. And and that now is like our reference guide. So when we're a bit, if we're not sure, and it's quite easy because I'm writing most of it and then she comes mm-hmm. in and adds more stuff. But it's been really valuable. And I, if you've got lots of people starting to write for you, I think it's a good idea to sort of formalize it a bit more. And it doesn't take more than a couple of days, I think. Yeah, well, I feel like there's even a good shortcut if you don't want to sort of formalize all that stuff, and that's steal Shopify Polaris. Like they actually have that like really great brand voice writing in there, and then guidelines for that. And like especially for a Shopify app, I think you could do a lot worse than to just take that and say, okay, this is our policy now or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's lots of parts of Polaris that are maybe not used as much as the actual UI section and looking at the colors and the components and things like that. But there's a lot there about writing and using the correct words and things. I think you're spot on. Another one I really like is is MailChimp. They had one years ago, and I'm sure it's still available. But they've also got more of a, I think it's become more formal over time, but it was very loose and, and humor. It was, you know, sort of this little chimp, and he was quite, not sarcastic, but he was cheeky. Right. Um, I remember and, that, and it yeah. was Yeah, it was really interesting to read the, the, the guide on how to come up with it and do this, don't do this. He talks like this, he doesn't talk like this. But I think, yeah, coming up with some type of formal, like even if you just say, yeah, let's go with Polaris voice, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so weird. Like it's things you don't think about when you go from one person to a bunch of people is like, oh, these other guys, like they, they have no idea how I write emails. They've never you know received them before. So it's like, of course, they're going to have a totally different way of doing it. Yeah, just trying to make it sound a little less scattered is probably a good goal at this point. Yeah, definitely. How are you finding like transitioning from one man to lots of people? Are you seeing other gaps like this? Obviously, like knowledge you talked about before, but are you seeing other places where, hey, I need to find a way to transfer this knowledge? Knowledge is definitely the big thing just about the app. There's a lot of knowledge about like, I'm the only one that has about why things are the way they are in certain cases and how I explain that to people. And it's not really been like deposited anywhere. So we've sort of been working on that, like sort of making a knowledge base that people can go to as they ask me questions. But yeah, like it's been like my work has been very reactive lately, just kind of dealing with people when they don't know what's going on. Although it's, it's improving a lot. And um, like now I'm starting to get a little more sort of free time to actually do the work of improving the A-B testing, which is good. So you're still a bit of a, I would say, a, an octopus. Yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Yeah. And there's, because uh, I think there's what, there's seven of us now, which is yeah, crazy. crazy. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's quite a transition. I'm obviously going to, plus the support heroes and even just that, and that's not close to seven people, like day to day, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's a bit of a mouthful to bite off and a bit of a change <laughs> for you, right? But I remember you talking about that it was actually quite nice because you're getting your motivation back. Are you still seeing those sort of effects? Absolutely. Like, it's so cool just to like, because everyone is kind of independent. Like, everyone's got their roles and we do work together and things like that, but we try to keep things pretty asynchronous. And so just, you know, like waking up in the morning and seeing some awesome thing someone did on the marketing side or something is like super motivating. Yeah. Yeah, I have to totally agree. It's it's awesome uh, 
wake up and review code or take a look at like the latest stuff that's being created and in the afternoon see what imagery and stuff. It's yeah, completely great. So nice that things happen without you doing them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. What kind of copywriting you've been working on? Is that like emails or just in general on websites? Yeah. So that's like one thing the app is sort of lacked that I think we're really tackling right now is sort of activity-based emails. So we're just like, you know, one of the issues we sometimes see is people set up tests or, yeah, they set up a test and they kind of forget to check on or whatever. They move on with their life. And then weeks later or months later, they're like, oh, I had this test running. Let me see what's going on with it. And like, we're just trying to like, Remind people, give them the results in emails, let them know, you know, this could use your attention. Here's some new ideas, things like that. All those sort of like the idea is to improve retention and uh, just get people sort of more used to the app as like a daily use type thing. Yeah. So getting people into it by giving them valuable information, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. idea. I think that's one of the things that I know I've had troubles with in the past is not thinking of your app as sort of the center of their universe, right? <laughs> they're probably doing 40 different things and your app is just one of them. I really like this whole jobs to be done sort of thinking. People are using your app to get a particular job done and then they're not going to be thinking about you so much. But if in your case, you're going to be helping them get that job done by providing them the results once they actually have something, right? Yeah, because what we see sometimes is like, what I've noticed is people get half the job done where they actually run a test. And then at that point, it leaves their mind. They go on, they've got other stuff, they got orders to fulfill and everything else, and they forget to actually come back and then like make a decision. I guess because the test is running sort of a, a unoptimized version, right? Because it's showing two different. And then right. the idea is then when you're finished with a test, you make that a permanent change. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like we analyze a test and then click set as winner. It's funny, I keep using we now instead of I, which is funny because I, I had to like, in the beginning of the app, I always used we and had to make a conscious decision to say I when I talk yeah. to customers and now I'm back to we. It's strange. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like So the app analyzes the test, sort of gives them a recommendation and then they actually set a winner in the app and that'll make the changes permanent on their shop. Okay. So you actually sort of update the theme with or wherever you, yeah. you're hosting this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That's nice. It's funny you uh, mentioned the whole I and we. One of the things that I've been doing this week as well, we're looking at, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, we should have we. And my wife's more like, no, no, we should be highlighting you as part of the brand and all this type of stuff. And some of the emails are from me, some are, are more generic and stuff. But it's funny to think about in the start, you wanted to write we because you want to seem like a larger company. Right. And then all of a sudden, you realize the value of people associating a person with a brand and and this type of thing, it's it's just funny how the pendulum swings. And we've been Absolutely. working on the same thing this week. Yeah, I mean, and to be totally honest, in the very beginning, the app wasn't super awesome when it launched. It had some issues. And uh, pretending you're not a big company, or, or telling that, you know, not pretending you're a big company gets you a little more slack too, which is nice when yeah, definitely. people find bugs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. A little more sympathetic to a small business, which I will say like was helpful those first couple of months when the app was pretty rough around the edges. Yeah, absolutely. I found the same thing. The more personal I was and less formal, the better the result generally was, I think. You know, obviously some people are just looking for that really super formal relationship, but I think the majority prefer to be knowing or to know that they're speaking with humans. I think so, yeah. It seems that way. Yeah, yeah. What else have you been working on then? I've been hiring more, which has been interesting. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, which roles? Developers. Okay. Yeah, so... This is actually, so this is an interesting question. Maybe I'll ask you because you've hired developers and I'm trying to figure it out. 
basically, my situation is that there's a couple people I sort of want to try out. And what I'd like to do is like a paid task, just to like their interviews went well. I'd like to like give them a job for a week, essentially, and or a few days or whatever, and make sure that everything's good code wise. That said, I don't really want to just give access to my code base to a bunch of people that I'm not sure I'm going to hire yet. But at the same time, if I'm going to have them do a few days or weeks worth of work, it'd be cool if I could get something usable out of it. I guess I'm kind of stuck. Like, I don't know yeah. what the best way to handle that is. It's a good question. I mean, I haven't done, I've hired one guy and he kind of sold himself in the sense that instead of doing like a, a test, he also has a, a Shopify app and he walked me through his app, his code base hmm. and showed it to me which was a, a really good way. And he sort of recorded it so we could do it async and, and this type of thing. So I thought that was a really good way for me to see how he works. And obviously there was a different element there in that I could sort of verify that, yes, he's the guy that's built this app and I'm seeing a Shopify app here. I can tell enough about an app that this is what I'm seeing, right? So there's like, you don't know if he's recording or if somebody's recording somebody else's code or whatever, right? But I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer on that, I don't think. But uh, as long as it's paid, I think it's it's fine to give them a task, but I can definitely see how you would like to get something useful out of it. And with that, unless you have something that's completely isolated, you would just have to have some type of trust, I guess you could say. And I would say like, and I'm sure it's your, sure it's the case with your apps too, like it's not, my code's not rocket science. Like if a smart developer installed this app and just decided they were going to copy it, you could pretty much figure it out. I mean, it's not like, yeah. I mean, and the same goes for any app out there. I mean, how many build a Twitter clone tutorials are out there? So That's it's like, it. does it really, is it really that dangerous to give someone all I've done is maybe saved them a few months, you know? Yeah. And the valuable part is not the code. It's right. the customers that you have. It's the traffic, you know, like your app listing. It's all the stuff around it. That, you know, I saw somebody saying, hey, somebody copied Uber's app code they aren't going to have an Uber next week. Right, yeah, sure. You know? And we're obviously not Uber, but I think the same sort of thinking applies. I think you still have to be careful. It's a hard one because you'd have to weigh it up on either you give up on, on not showing all your code or you give them a standalone task that doesn't require access to the code base. I don't think you can have both. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, well, at least I can't see a way of doing it. Right. Decisions, I'll have to think yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they remote or are they local or how are you doing it? Yeah, remote. Just I like, you know, everyone on the team is spread out across a million different time zones. I like the remote thing. I don't want to have an office. So yeah, definitely remote is the way to go for me. I really like working async. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that sort of bugs me about it though is that I feel that people may be waiting on me. You know what I mean? Because it's async, they're kind of going, hey, come on, can I get an answer sort of thing? And they're not generally, but it's more of a feeling that I have, I think if I don't get back to them. I have a hard time keeping things async in a way. It's like I have to make a conscious effort to not keep anything that could notify me up. Otherwise, I, it won't be async. I'll just answer it immediately, even though it's yeah. inconvenient for me. Yeah, definitely. I think turning notifications off for stuff is generally a good idea, but you always need like a way for people to get hold of you synchronously. Right, <laughs> right away. Yeah. yeah. Something's on fire, but um, <laughs> generally not, yeah. That's interesting. Is it just one role at the moment or two or sorry? I think it'd be two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, depending. We'll see. We'll see what we find. Yeah, yeah. But Laravel two, devs then. Yeah. So should be good. I'm kind of thinking, well, I don't know. We probably don't have room for it 
or money for it right now, but I'd like to get a DevOps person at some point just because managing AWS is, we use Laravel Vapor, which makes it really easy, but I'm still like, when there's problems, like I'm not the guy to go to for that because yeah. I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the bigger things get, the more uptime and things, the gnarlier it's going to get in AWS at least, I think. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. What, are yeah. you using some type of site to find these? Like, are you using Fiverr or are you using... I had talked to someone a long time ago on Upwork that seemed really good, and I reached back out to them, so we'll see if that works out. The other one I saw that was really it looked really good was called Lemon.io. I'd seen them recommended a few places. And outsourcing agency. And I tell you, like, they're like a great example. You just want to see like an awesome landing page with great branding and illustrations and everything. Like it's worth just like going to their site and reading through the whole thing because okay. it's so educational, just how to build a great landing page. And it sold me like, I don't know if they're any better than the other outsourcing agency, but like their landing page was so good, I had to reach out to them. Okay. That's a good landing page then. Yeah. Like it's funny. They know their target audience like perfectly. Uh, it's really okay. good. Yeah. Even if, just for inspiration and for sure, yeah, oh, that's cool. We've been um, we're almost done with the app kit, like I mentioned uh, at the start. There, I think we've only got a couple of small sort of things to go. Some around like around our sorting and and search widget sort of that we'll use for tables of data and stuff like that. Just got the navigation sort of done this week, which is kind of cool because normally you build up a navigation and you just sort of hard code whatever's in the in the menu but because we app kit sort of being reused it has it comes with a configuration in the host app as we call it so in the host app you sort of you know just pass in a like a json almost of what items you want in the list and where they should point to and and any extra info you want there and then it just builds up the navigation on the side and that's how a lot of app kit actually works is sort of passing small json things yeah it's it's fun to see how it's and, and all of a sudden, we've been working with that navigation for a long time. And finally, you see the navigation out on the side. And it's like, wow, it looks like a real app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. You can click around and instead of just knowing the URLs and hopping around to the different sort of main pages and stuff, which is, yeah, it's good fun to see. And it's nice to see that it's actually almost done so we can start working on an actual app. Yeah, uh, so then you just be cranking that. out apps every week for the rest of the year? Is that the plan? Oh, I hope not. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was thinking, oh, who was I talking to? I was talking to, um, yeah, a friend of mine that I've been speaking to now for a few years, a Danish guy that also runs a SaaS app. Nothing to do with Shopify, but just uh, started this as a one-man one man show, and he's doing really, really well. But we meet up like once a month and just go for a walk and chat sort of business, and it's been good for ideas and motivation and, and just sort of talking to somebody that knows what you exactly what you're going through, like we do, right. I guess. But anyway, I don't want to spread myself too thin either. Like, yeah, we maybe could create apps really quickly now, but then it would become sort of more of a factory and you might create a monster that you don't actually want, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think my thought is like one every three months would be a good pace. And then that gives us enough time to then, how would you say, to get everything around the app also really nicely polished and, and not moving on too quickly to the next thing, like giving each app enough time so we can get it sort of out there and polish on it, iterate on it, and not just, okay, next one. And then in the end, you've got no time to maintain or add features and stuff like that. So I think not cranking out apps, but just making it a lot easier to do so, and then also to maintain them over time. So, Because the stuff around it really is kind of the bottleneck then, right? If you've got AppKit 
going good, but like the app listing and branding and support and all that kind of stuff is really what limits you. Yeah. And I think that's where doing all this work on branding and style and everything else at the moment is also really paying off because we're building up a library of of different assets. And for example, the logo, we're using Figma now. So you have like one component and they all use a different sort of color, but they use the main sort of logo element is the same. So with a component, you can just create a copy of that component and add another color to it. And then if you update the main component, all five apps all of a sudden update at the same time, the logo for them. So you, you're only maintaining one thing there as well. And we're sort of starting to do this with more and more things. So, so in the end, say I'm going to create a new banner for an email or something, then it's just really a matter of updating the copy and not so much recreating these images and, and stuff. So we're trying to do things, like I was saying, like on a more long-term thinking. It slows us down short-term, but I think in the end, it's, it's going to be a lot easier. That's cool. Yeah, you know, I've kind of seen some of the value of that long-term planning when you're developing recently. It's like, I definitely didn't do that with need A-B testing, and it's occasionally caused scaling issues and things like that. With the translation thing, I very much sort of thought longer term and had a much nicer, you know, design patterns in the code base and things like that. So this week I had to add a support for a new framework because I'm actually beta testing it now, finally. And it was so nice. It was like one file, write it, plug it in, and it's good. And like, I'm so used to like my coding style is like one new file and then 65 updates and other files to actually get it to work. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know what you mean. It's kind of a luxury that we maybe didn't have at the start though, right? And we for sure. This last yeah, yeah. time, I think, you know, when now we can actually think long-term, whereas before we had to sort of just survive until the next day, I think. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough when you're making $100 a month to like justify spending a week on proper tests or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And especially when you don't know if your idea is going to work or not. So I think sometimes you just have to throw enough things at the wall and eventually <laughs> something sticks. For yeah. sure. But another thing that we were talking about with my friend, he sort of asked a, a smart question. What would be a success then for a new app? You know, what type of time are you going to allow these new apps to see? Or are you going to let them all just live? Or do you have like a, a monetary target for them? And I hadn't really thought about any of that. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of pulled out of my hat sort of, oh, I'd hope after a year that they're making 20,000 US or something like that a month or whatever. And, you know, we kind of laughed and just said, well, you know, if we had a thought like that from the start, it's a totally different game when we right. started out. Like if we just had 20,000 for an app at that point, I think it's still a good success for an app. But it was just kind of weird because I, I couldn't really put a number on it in the end. And it was more, well, I think if it's growing and, and it feels like this little snowball that will eventually get bigger, I think that was my, my end criteria, I think, in the end. Have you ever retired an app? Yeah, but it was like a rebuild of my first app where I threw all the bells and whistles into it, all the feature requests I'd ever got sort of thing. I thought that was the right thing to do at the time. Okay. And then trying to migrate people. And they were two completely separate apps. And it just never, I don't know, it just never quite worked out. Some people moved over and it ran for a couple of years, I guess. But then eventually got them all to move back and shut it down. I see. And I think that was, how to say, not building a focused enough product. It was trying to do too many things for too many different people. Yeah, it's tough to figure out sort of where that line is of like shutting down or or keeping going. I shut down an app last year. It was a free app that I was using basically for lead gen for needed to be testing. And the problem was that it was was pretty popular. 
eventually it could not handle the amount of traffic that was being thrown at it. And unfortunately, it was like a good app that had a good user base. People liked it. Everyone was happy with it. But I had to make the decision of like the amount of new customers it's sending to need a B testing is not enough for me to justify the amount of work I'm going to have to do to let it handle all this, all this traffic on all these people. And there's no way you could turn it into a paid product instead then? Or do you consider that? I considered it. It wasn't like, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if it could have worked as a paid app. Maybe it could have. Maybe that would have mm. been the smart move. But essentially what it was was a small reporting app. I took a little piece of functionality out of need A-B testing around the um, tracking because I noticed like the Shopify analytics dashboard didn't have sort of easy way to see like what products your customers or your visitors were adding to their carts or, or viewing. So this was just gave a nice little dashboard for that. But the problem is like to track add to carts on Shopify can generate like a tremendous amount of traffic for a store with a decent amount of visitors. And yeah. it just like I couldn't keep up with like by the time we hit like five thousand users or whatever, it was like I couldn't keep the servers up. Yeah, wow. That's being at like the absolute forefront of traffic, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> as well. You're seeing absolutely everything, not just the ones buying or right. Else. Yeah. There's a lot of people adding to cart, I guess. <laughs> I can see that. How did you do it then? Did you email them and sort of give them a heads up or was it like yeah. a long lead time? Or Yeah, you- I gave it a few months. I let anyone export data that wanted to and then yeah, eventually you just shut it down. And then I just put an in-app notice and an email and then I had that export functionality already. So I just said, if you want anything, you got a couple months to get it out. That's all right. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's the right way to do it. Like giving... Long lead time, so you don't feel you're sort of leaving people last minute dash to get stuff done, right? Yeah, but to be honest, like maybe this is why people didn't complain too much was that the app was having so many problems because of the traffic strain. Like it was not a good experience at that point, like for the last couple of months. Yeah. For the users, okay. which is the other reason I decided to shut it down was just like, this is not a good advertisement for need A B testing when this thing's down 25% of the time, you know? That's so true. Yeah, yeah you need to be careful. Yeah, that's a. Hopefully, it's not something you have to do too often, right? But then, you know, not all products are going to work out, but hopefully, most of my new ones will. (laughs) We'll see. I will say, like, I love the idea of a free app as lead gen. I don't know if we ever discussed that. I know we've talked about like starting out with with a free app, but like, I kind of like having a separate free app that's related because I found like it was pretty good. I mean, when it was doing well, around 5% of the new users from the free app would eventually become paying customers of native B testing, which was awesome. I mean, that's that's a great ratio, I think. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like, you know, obviously you had a tough time because it was a very resource intensive free app, right? Yeah. You just got to be smarter than I was. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that. but, (laughs) But yeah, I think if you consider those things carefully, then it can make a really good lead gen. And also sure. because, you know, I guess we should get into the new uh, categories in the Shopify App Store as well. But it's one of those things, the more tentacles you've got in the App Store, the bigger success I think you can see because cross-selling is such a big, big thing. And I think that's what, what has also helped uh, my apps. And, and you see quite a few companies now coming in and just coming in with a swath of apps or just quickly spitting out maybe 10 apps or whatever. And they grow really, really fast. And And obviously, you know, once they've got somebody in their sphere, then they can easily at least get one or maybe two more apps installed if they're doing a good job on it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I found when 
the free app was working well. I did no email marketing with it. Like I never emailed the users, nothing. The only thing I had was a little banner at the top that said, hey, you want to check out our other app? And like that was good for that crazy conversion rate. So I imagine if I knew what I was doing and put some more time into it, it probably could have been even higher. Yeah, definitely. I saw the same on um, my Auto Printer Pro was a free app before, and we've talked about this uh, in an early episode if anyone wants to sort of catch up on the process of turning a free app into a paid app. But that really sent a lot of customers to my templates and other apps, I guess you could say. So that turned out, I can't remember the numbers, but it was pretty high, like it was surprisingly high. That also gave me a really good place to sort of start a bigger app on it. but. If I hadn't had that extra, how would you say, tentacle out there, there's a lot of people that wouldn't have come into my right. my app universe, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's a really good tactic if you've got the the time and the the idea, I guess you could say. Yeah. That's cool. You mentioned Shopify has been switching up the app store again. What's uh, what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a grumpy old man. But, um, <laughs> no, I think... On Monday last week, which was a national holiday in much of, I guess it was in the US, but um, which is a pretty big market. But um, yeah, they rolled out a new categories for the Shopify App Store. So before there was quite granulated categories and then lots of subcategories. So there was maybe like under marketing, no, or under store design, I think it was, there was like email templates. Now it's just marketing. So they've rolled that up. And it's just, I guess they say they're simplifying the discovery process. And obviously, I don't have the data behind it to say if it's the right thing to do or, you know, I'm right. just guessing. But one of the things that frustrates me is, is that now you've just got these sort of catch-all groups. So finding niche or not the mainstream apps, I think, is a lot harder by just browsing around. The sort of first page is, is covered. If you go under marketing, then it's spin the wheel and, you know, right. pop-ups and all this type of stuff, right? And I'm not sure if it's the right move or not, but it was just... I was a bit frustrated that, you know, it was just sort of dropped on us on a Monday and then, hey, <laughs> your business just completely changed or at least your your top of funnel just completely changed, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Were you, were you getting a lot of traffic from people browsing the categories? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was very well ranked, thankfully, in a lot of these categories, that at least the ones that, that fit very well to my products, right? There was like an invoicing and taxes or something or accounting and taxes and stuff. And that fits perfectly for invoice apps. Yeah, whereas yeah. now it's, it's a lot more, how would you say, higher level. That makes sense. Yeah, see, I saw that and I didn't really worry about it because like 95% of my app store traffic comes from search. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. um, like whatever category it was in, whatever subcategory, like I got like no traffic from. So I didn't, when I saw that, I was going, eh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But like I could see like if, yeah, if I was like number one in a category or top 10 or even, I'd probably be pretty upset. If that category disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's maybe where a lot of, and most of my frustration just comes from like worry, I think is probably the the main driver, right? It's like, oh no, how's this going to impact the business? It's um, weird, right? That's a couple like sort of unannounced changes recently. Yeah. And I downloaded Slack, <laughs> which I generally stay well away from, but the PM on the Shopify side posted in the, in the Slack uh, group to sort of introduce himself and then also to sort of give it a bit of reasoning behind it. Yeah, and then he sort of said, oh, hey, start a thread and, and give us your feedback sort of thing. So hopefully it was seen as as constructive criticism sort of thing. Right. I was very, very polite and trying <laughs> to be as friendly as possible because people are just doing their jobs and, and trying to do the best that they're. And like I said, they've got a lot more data than I do. So I'm just guessing. Yeah, yeah. 
That's, I need to get into that Slack. I don't know why I've never logged into it, but I'm sure it'd be incredibly helpful for me to do that. Yeah, I think sometimes it's good to get news. You know, people mention your app sometimes or, or whatever, and it's quite good to... Like I said, I just logged in again and saw that people have you know sent me a message in there like four months ago or something. It's like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> okay. That could have been good to see at some point. Right. They said that it's sort of the first few of many sort of planned changes, I guess, to help oh, interesting. discovery and, and stuff. So... There's a newer newer product manager on Shopify, so I guess they're sort of coming in and putting focus on it and improving things as, as well as they can. Yeah. I guess that's the danger when you don't own the platform, you know? Yeah. It's, it's rough. It's like hanging on to a tiger's tail, I guess. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I was thinking about it like there's, there's like pluses and, and minuses for sure. I was kind of thinking about that this week with the translation thing. Like I see so much advice about out there about like, building an audience and, you know, this building public thing, I guess, is real popular and all that. And like, I get that. And I think that's cool. I think for some developers like me, especially like that's tough. I don't want to spend all day on Twitter or anything like that. And like building an audit, like it's so funny. Like sometimes I'll, I'll see an article or something about building an audience and it'll inspire me for all of about 30 minutes and then I'm over it. And so I think that it's a really good idea to sort of come up with ways to play to your strengths, which is one thing Shopify is really good at, is you get that distribution channel. And it's one sort of technical channel to figure out where if you can figure it out, it doesn't involve how many followers you have or anything like that. You can get good distribution right out of the gate. Yeah, I think that's part of the game when you sign up in an app store, right? You get tons of benefit. And then obviously, some you lose some control, right? But I would also much prefer that than trying to build a giant following or you know, I just use Twitter for stuff I think is interesting, right? right. <laughs> you know, I don't have any long end game on Twitter or anything like that. And sometimes I think something's interesting. Sometimes I complain. And I was looking recently and, and I was doing more complaining than I feel I should. I'm generally a very positive person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the whole, it feels like everybody's trying to be the smartest on Twitter sometimes, you know, like a thread. And I can get a bit sort of sick of it sometimes, I think. And it seems to be taking over more and more people trying to become influencers in tech and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And I get that it makes sense for sure. I'm sure if I had an audience of 10,000 app developers, like this translation thing would be just zooming out of the gate. You know what I mean? And so I kind of get the appeal there. I just, I think for a lot of, I don't know, for a lot of people, at least for me, it's like maybe not the um, best use of my time. My own yeah, sanity. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, right? You can doom scroll for a long time. Right. Or, you, or you, can, you can also get this sort of like, oh, is the stuff I'm, I get this, what's it called? Oh, we just don't feel like the stuff that you do is quite as good as what you're seeing everyone else do, right? For sure, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I find Twitter both good and bad in that you, I've got a lot of people I, I really enjoy chatting to or conversing with on Twitter and stuff. And then on the other hand, it sort of makes me depressed sometimes, I think. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's a kind of a, a strange beast. I just forget to log in for a week and stuff. Like I can't. Oh, there you uh, go. I, like I can't make it like part of my daily routine. No, I should be more like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like it seems like you should if you want to attract customers on there or whatever. Yeah. A fun thing that we've been doing this week and something that I like seeing lots of is the illustrations like uh, with Shopify doing changes in the app store and everything mm -hmm. redoing all our illustrations in the in the app store also just to get them more on brand in colors and style and all that type of thing and 
a few a couple of years ago, Shashank Kumar from Pushal. Okay. Really nice guy if you ever meet him or chat to him. He's been like really involved in the Shopify community. Anyway, he put me in touch with a, a really talented designer called Nitesh. He starts out with just like a hand sketch. So you tell him a concept that you want a, a sketch of and you give him a sort of rough idea of, of the style and, and the sizing and stuff that you need. And then he sort of comes back with some concept sketches just sort of illustrating the idea that he's maybe thinking of. So let's say like uh, save time. And then there might be you know, a guy packing boxes like super fast with his hands sort of thing. And, and then, But you get like two or three different concepts that you can sort of go, oh, hey, I really like this one. Let's move forward on that concept. And then you get a more detailed sketch where he's, he's sort of added more in the style that you're looking for. And, and then finally, once you've sort of given feedback on that, you get like the final illustration image. It's a really cool process to go through and, and, and just watch somebody that's really talented in like sketching or something that I'm not, you know, I like to sketch, but I'm not great at it, at least not in that level. I love working with people that are really good at things, no matter what it is. If somebody is good at something, it's fun to watch them to come into their process, right? Yeah, it's super so. impressive. Like I was gushing about that landing page earlier. Like the people that can just build stuff like that is, is such a cool talent to have. Yeah, exactly. And when you watch them work, here, obviously not watching him work, but seeing sort of the stages that it goes through. But we're really looking forward to getting those back and then updating them in the in the Shopify app store and stuff. These are like yeah. the benefit images? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then a couple of additional ones that we use on the website. And yeah, a slightly more sort of... Or we use it for the partner program as well. Do you have a partner program? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of experimented with one a couple of years ago. Basically had a couple people sign up, and this was just me reaching out to contacts I had or people I knew, maybe agencies that used the app. And it was reasonably successful. Like the couple people that signed up sent a good number of users. It was great. And I never followed through to make it official because it just seemed like it was too big of a thing for me to market on my own at the time. I just didn't have that kind of like agency traffic or, or influencer traffic or whatever that I felt like could do a good job distributing it. So, yeah. I think that's, that's the really hard part, right? Is creating, having enough of them using your platform to sort of have a knock-on effect. I think that's where being active on Twitter or doing talks or workshops and stuff, that's really paid off for us there. For sure. Like I always remember, I mean, this, this shows the value of the audience if you can get it. Like the one guy posted like a 10 second video onto his social media that was like, hey, I found this app. It's really cool. You should check it out. And sent like 120 signups in like 10 minutes or something. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. And there's different types of partners, right? There's the agencies that come with like a steady trickle of new users. And then you have the guys doing like YouTube videos or walkthroughs like you're mentioning. And they'll come with like a ton at one point. Yeah. Um, well, the thing I found, I thought this was super interesting. And if you want to go down an interesting like YouTube rabbit hole, like totally recommend it. There's kind of like this whole industry of like people, like I don't know if they have successful shops at all, but they sell very expensive courses on how to do dropshipping shops. It's kind of like this get rich quick scheme things. And I sort of didn't know that was a thing. So then became clear, like, oh, I need to be like really. And that was the other reason I sort of didn't pursue the partner program was like, I need to be really careful who I let sort of spread the word about this because yeah, I, don't right. want, I don't want those people, like uh, they got their own business, it's whatever, but like I don't, to me it doesn't seem super ethical, so I don't want to be part of that. Yeah, there seems to be like a really dark side of affiliates and stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. 
it was funny. I kind of got into this like YouTube rabbit hole because then there's like this other side of it where they sort of dissect their courses and their videos and stuff, and it's kind of entertaining. But uh, I remember hearing something similar on a uh, on a podcast. I'll try and find it as well without going into you know how these people were doing it. It was really really dark and and just promising people the world for these courses that they're selling and stuff. And the thing is, like, I'm sure there's probably legit ones out there. I just, I don't have the time or the ability even to really know who is and who isn't. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I just kind of want to stay. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, yeah. How is the beta going? It's good. Well, I, so I should say my, my beta, I am my own customer. We are translating need A-B testing as my first beta user. Um, and it's going, yeah, it's going good. The really nice thing about this, really glad I didn't open it up to more people. So part of this is like the app has access to the code base and just in order to keep privacy, like obviously if there's a problem, I can't go into their code base and see what's going on. The nice thing is with need A-B testing, I can. So I've been able yeah, to sort of sure. squash a few bugs and sort of get it ready for everyone else using this as sort of the guinea pig, like an actual functional, fairly large app. I think that's a, a smart move, right? Because troubleshooting something like that's going to be pretty tough. It is, yeah. When I can't see exactly what's it's a black box to me, essentially. So Yeah, I have the same with the partner metrics, right? People go, oh, the metrics are on. And I was like, well, I don't look at your data and I'm not going to. I don't want right. you to send me the CSV file, but I need you to tell <laughs> me in which of these steps and then I can usually dig it out of the log somehow to see what's going on or try and recreate it on my side. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's, it's one of these things where you don't want the responsibility of having, you know you have the source code, but you don't want to go digging through it. Or you, right, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and then it's like the same for me with the payout data and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's in the database, but I'm not going to go spelunking around other people's data, right? Yeah, you can't. It's, yeah, like that's a, such a quick way to lose trust and like just open yourself up to problems. Yeah, and it's like, especially when it's to do with people's revenue and things. But, yeah. but some people are cool and go, hey, I've got no problem with it. Here's the CSV right. file, take a look. And then that helps, uh, obviously. But, uh, but I totally understand that people just go, oh, no, we can't do this. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I think we can leave it there. Yeah, sounds good. Going pretty long on this one, actually. Oh, wow. But, All yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you get us going. <laughs> yeah. All right. Talk to All you right. next time. See Cheers. ya.